All right, Clay. So, um, the word moist, it's a joke mm. on the internet. Mm. Is, yeah. Is, um, is, do you actually, Tell is, me is this, all about is this it. one of those uh, internet things that it only actually happens on the internet? Or do you know anybody physicality, physical wise, in, in person, I suppose would be the way to say that, who actually has an, a, uh, a tendency to do be offended by moist the word people? moist. Do you know, do you, oh, offended by the word moist. <laughs> do you know any physical, um, real, real life people? <clears throat> I know this thing pops up on the internet, but it, it seems to me like a lot of things that it, it like it only exists on the internet. I don't know if there's a TV show that originated that as a joke, where it's like, oh, don't say moist. It's a strange thing to say. Mm. Um, it I, is kind of gross. I mean, I, I kind of get it, but I, I, it definitely has. It's a sexual uh, connotation, right? Is that why people? Do? It's not just that things yeah. are damp. It's that there's like a sexual thing going on. With I think it? it's. I think it's just the sound of it. In in all because of that connotation and also in general, it's just a strange kind of gooey sounding word. Like yeah. uh, my friend, my friend Dan, who's been on the show before, really doesn't like the word focaccia. Mm-hmm. Um, not really sure why, but he just thinks it's, a, it's an <laughs> awful word. It's no comment on the bread itself. Have you ever seen the uh, the Monty Python sketch about the tinny words and the woody words? Uh, I probably have. I don't it's, it's, remember it's, it specifically. It's, difficult. it's just like this aristocratic British family sitting around saying different words, and the patriarch of the family, like, he enjoys the sound of what he calls woody words, and he hates tinny words, so he likes words like <laughs> gourd. He's like, that's a good woody word, <laughs> gourd. And he hates words like tinsel and stuff like that. It says it irritates him to hear the word tinsel, tinsel. From what? From what I understand about Monty Python, and they've said this specifically, is most of their jokes were just them opening a thesaurus and just picking words, yeah. and so which I really appreciate because I am I'm a big fan of uh, word based humor. We're going to be talking about moist vessel. Sorry for anyone who's offended by the word moist. We haven't really cracked whether or not this is an internet thing, but let us know in the comments below if you think it is. And uh, maybe we should start plugging stuff at the start of this, just in case people tune out. But we have a Patreon. If you want to go to patreon.com. We have brain pills we're going to start selling. We have vitamin supplements that'll really get you know your brain working. And, and your uh, vagina moist. So let's... Um, yeah. let's, let's, let's <laughs> it'll make your brain moist, and it'll make your moist more brainy. <laughs> Let's um. You can go to patreon.com slash the Penske pal if, you, if you've enjoyed these two minutes of content you've heard so far. We'll plug it again at the end. Anyway, let's talk about Moist Vessel. So we'll take a break. We'll play a clip from the episode. We'll come back and we'll break it down. Whoa, another conference room meeting? Shocker. You guys debating the Prime Directive again? Pretty fascinating stuff. <laughs> what is, what, no, no, no laughing. I was making fun of you, not with you. Well, since you're one of us now, I guess you're making fun of yourself. What? No. Ensign Beckett Mariner? No, 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 no. I am pleased to grant you a promotion. Uh, No. Congratulations, Lieutenant Mariner. Lieutenant? Lieutenant? Looking forward to serving with you for a long, long time. Moist Vessel is the fourth episode of the first season of Star Trek Lower Decks. It came out on CBS All Access on the 27th of August, 2020. Written by Ann Kim, directed by Barry J. Kelly, and universe date is 2380-57538.9 is the start date. In this episode, Captain Freeman seeks the ultimate payback after Mariner blatantly disrespects her in front of the crew. A well-meaning tendee accidentally messes up a lieutenant's attempt at spiritual ascension and tries to make it right. What do you think? Sure do. What do you What do you, what do you um, think about that? Uh, is there anywhere you particularly wanted to start with this one? I have yeah. an overriding theme, but why don't you start? 
I guess I don't. I guess mine is technically overriding as well, which is this is the fourth episode. So this is we've we've watched as many as the critics have watched. I don't get the hate. I I I thought this was a good episode. Oh, I, I yeah. think it's still. Uh, uh, did you not? It was my least favorite out of all of them. Yeah. so far. I I thought I actually I really enjoyed the a plot quite a bit. Um. I think the Tendy stuff was a little thin, um, but uh, I, I, as as a straight Star Trek plot, I thought finding a ship with the emulsion that causes this organic growth, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, liquid terraforming yeah, or whatever they call it. Terraforming, terraforming emulsion or something. Um, I thought that was a, I thought that was a good Star Trek plot. It, it's only twenty minutes or so, so you you don't get time to sit with it the way that, that you do on a longer show. Uh, you know, they, they kind of snap their fingers. That's the one thing they've done in every episode so far is once they find the cure, it's kind of the fix. It's like a finger snap and everything goes back to normal. Yeah. <clears throat> Which is, I think just unfortunately how, how the show, I mean, it's not like they're going to be flying around for the rest of the season with rocks growing in, in the holiday right. or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I like the stuff with, with Mariner and, Shit! What the hell's the captain's Freeman. name? I can never remember the cap- Freeman. I liked the stuff there. Um, I liked the uh, stuff with with Mariner having to do all the uh, mundane jobs of a lieutenant. I mm-hmm. thought that was fun. Um, yeah, I think the weakest thing for me was I, I thought it was pretty funny too. I laughed. I laughed quite a bit at it. Um, and yeah, I thought the Tendy stuff was was the weakest part of it. Um, you can start there, but even there. What's that? We can start there because I sure. I also I didn't really like the Tendi storyline mostly because well I I think that they've I think that they've established her as kind of a. Well, I guess that's the question. Uh, to me, she's the least well defined out of all the characters to this point. Sure. Like I, I don't really get what her tick is, and I suppose looking back on it, and you kind of realize it halfway through that she's like she's desperate for friends, I suppose, but her. Her characterization to me doesn't really match what they've given her as a personality trait mm. to, to have. So she she doesn't seem like the kind of character who would not have friends on the ship. There's no, there's nothing strange about her to the point where you're like, well, oh. I don't think it's that she doesn't have friends. I think it's that she just is desperate for everyone to like her. Okay, which which I I don't think the stuff that you're saying isn't true. If just for that that switch, because it is something that hasn't really come up. Because my interpretation of Tendi to this point has been someone who is um, very very interested and in, in, in very engaged by uh, by just knowing stuff and like yeah. the newness of stuff which is why she gets so excited about the Ascension why she got so excited about seeing the Pulsar thing when they were watching it in the Jeffries tube together like that came across um, but yeah I I, I the I, I thought the the lead-in for this was wasn't super. Um, it didn't line up with her character for me. The way that she goes to this ascension thing and doesn't is not paying attention, right? And then clumsily kicks over this thing. It did lead to a, a joke I really liked, which was uh, room temperature, room temperature colorful sand. sand. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was good. <laughs> um, I think that, but yeah, she, I, she's just that 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 whole section of the story just didn't really work for me. She's um. I think Except for the ascension, the ascension itself at the end. The I ascension really itself liked, is but. my favorite part of the the entire episode, and I wish that the show mm-hmm. did more with it. But we we can get to that, I suppose. Um, I thought that 
I thought this was clearly the weakest script out of everything that they've seen so far. It felt to me the most like it was a situation where they had a sequence and then they were just like, we're just going to change this really quickly to move it into something else. So it, it felt the most like it never settled into anything. And I was disappointed in that because I thought you could either spend an entire episode with what it's like for Mariner to have to be a senior officer, right? I thought that could mm-hmm. easily support 15 minutes of a story in this episode. I mm-hmm. thought you could do the Ascension thing for an entire episode. I thought that they underwhelmingly portrayed the ship turning into an organic creature. I thought that that didn't mm-hmm. get anything out of it, really. Like, it happens, and you see the animation, and it gives them a sequence where they're kind of, like, running through a faux jungle at that point. But, it was, like, it just felt to me that they took a lot of stories that you could have done something with, and they threw them all into the same script. And it mm. it moved so quickly from each of them that I felt underwhelmed by every single direction that they took with that with those plot points of those stories. Yeah, the one you know I liked that. I don't disagree. Um, I, I I I liked that the uh, catalyst for the emulsion stuff getting out of control was directly relatable to actions that the captain took, or yeah. at least her arrogance, anyway. And then the other captain w- tried to one up her. Yeah. Um, but I was expecting. I was actually expecting more from Boimler in this one. I thought he was going to be the one to cause the thing to break down because his whole thing was like, "Oh, well, they don't. They seem to reward doing bad things, so I'll just have to find a bad thing." So I thought he, he was going to go to his. All he does is spill right. coffee on the guy, and that's the whole. That's what I'm. T- it's like under. They're underserving that joke. In that way, like right. there's, a, you could build a whole episode around Boimler being like, um, saying he's going to pull a George Costanza and do the opposite because that seems to be the thing mm-hmm. that works for people and it not not working out for him. So I was, yeah. I was just, I was really just, I was distracted by it because to this point, I felt all the previous episodes have had had a solid backbone of a story going the entire thing, and you could easily track what it was. And here it felt really like there was a lot of ideas being thrown into the pot. Yeah, it definitely didn't have the through line that the other ones have had. Because I was expecting Boimler to like go to when he goes to his bridge job, do something like absentmindedly or on purposely absentmindedly lean on the tractor beam thing, and that yep. was going to what caused everything. But uh, yeah, he just sort of disappears, and they do that one coffee bit, and it doesn't really amount to anything. Yeah, um, yeah, it's too bad they didn't go that way because they set it up so clearly, having this. Uh, um, contrast between him and Mariner about her getting promoted for her getting everything he wants for and the not wrong caring and not wanting yeah. it for yeah. the wrong reasons. Yeah, and they come back to it at the end, but it it never feels like they it never feels like that was the point of the story. No, yeah, it's I not, think you're right. Not. They they do because the uh, the emulsion thing is really cool. Um, the stuff they do with the mom and, and Mariner I liked, but yeah, it doesn't. It's not really well. I don't know. I guess technically, I guess it's more the the thing that kind of doesn't that makes the through line feel a little bit slight is because maybe it's because we're so used to Boimler being part of the through line, and this one he's not at all, but he's still kind of positioned to be, mm-hmm. and the through line is actually Mariner and and uh, Freeman. Yeah. Um, well, you you yeah. could. I think it continues another problem is that they, they're not really mixing up the character pairings at this point. Sure. Like they're, they're not putting Rutherford with anyone but Tendi and it's Mariner and Boimler together. So when, when Boimler has a 
tangential story to a mariner, you expect that he's going to interact with her a little bit more. And I mm-hmm. wanted that to happen because I, I do like the idea of he, he takes the wrong uh, impression from her promotion and goes about things the right. wrong way to try to, yeah. to try to do the same thing. They felt like it's a, a perfect place to go with it. Instead, instead, instead what they did is they focus on the Freeman and Mariner thing, which I think this is the first time they've mentioned it since the pilot that they're related. And mm-hmm. she calls her mom for the first time, which I don't think has ever happened before on this show. And, I guess it depends on where you think the the comedy is going to come from here, or like how closely this needs to be a T and G thing. Where they try to pay, they try to pay off the Captain and Mariner thing by having them come to a kind of understanding towards the end of this episode. It's a little bit similar mm-hmm. to the Ransom and Mariner thing that they did in the the one where he gets in the fist fight with the giant alien, where they they come to an understanding and then there's a joke to button it where they oh they're not totally at an understanding like they're at odds still. Um, I I think I prefer the comedy here to come from the angle of the ascension bit which is this Mm -hmm. really dark twisted spin on a star thing where he's 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 ascending and it's painful and he sees like bizarre surreal stuff that doesn't make Mm. any sense he's talking about it but it clearly looks like he's being sucked into this show's version of like the event horizon hellscape that he's going to and and the characters are not sure how to react to it i don't find the characters touching moments to be all that touching Really, mm. I don't. I don't feel there's a, a pathos here where I feel that the characters like Mariner and the captain getting along with each other is like, oh, that's a nice touching moment. It feels to me like it's almost a betrayal of the comedy aspect of the show that I would prefer. It's just like I, I don't know if this show has the heart at this point to really convince me that scenes like that are something worth building to across an entire plot line. Sure. Yeah. I mean, do you think that's because they've done so? I mean, they're doing that stuff so quickly as opposed to. Uh, taking some more time before they get to that stuff? No, I think it's them trying to not stray too far from the Star Trek philosophy, which is that there mm-hmm. has to be a glimmer of happiness in here somehow. And because because the relationship is completely played for jokes between the Captain and Mariner, they're resolving the problem feels a little bit artificial to me. Like mm. it doesn't, it doesn't, it, it never feels like it's, the the tension between the characters is what feels natural to me in this show. So when they when they start to turn it around and say, "Oh, I can actually relate to you in some way," it feels forced and fake. It doesn't feel like these characters really feel this way. It's just that the way that they want to move the story, and then they always flip mm-hmm. it at the end. I just don't think that the flip is not funny enough to justify the entire journey that you spend getting to that point. It's always just this little button at the end, and sure, I just prefer the. I, I would prefer the Seinfeld no hugging, no lessons approach to this, which is just a much darker um, playing around with ideas like the Ascension thing, which I really liked and I really enjoyed that. And I even like the, uh, the, the emulsion ship. I think that's kind of a cool mm. idea that they don't do enough with. But I want more comedy to come from those areas and maybe less from pretending like these characters are actually people, you know? Okay. Yeah, so just robots on the show is what you want. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I want I want more, aluminum. More I want marbles clinging around. More Rutherford. More Rutherford, but only the robot side of his face. Well, that's because i I see I see criticism of the show where the characters are acting. The characters are not acting in a way that is acceptable in a Star Trek universe, right? Mm-hmm. And in my opinion the show exists outside of that Star Trek universe. So like you sure, can't hold these sure. characters to that standard. And because of that, I think that the 
them learning a lesson together doesn't really feel like it's the appropriate angle to take with them because it just doesn't feel earned. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's a part of this universe and these characters to feel something that's like legitimate or um, positive in some well, way. I, I, I don't think I would agree with that because I think they've, up to this point, they've made it clear that there's a heart baked into the show. Because um, all, all the characters have had moments where they, they've come, they've had uh, more heartwarming moments with each other from uh, to varying degrees. And I, I think... I think if you did this whole story with um, Mariner and Freeman and they just don't grow or they don't change, even if it's just to change back, then I think it's just going to be kind of boring. And mm. and how far does that joke really get you? Because uh, the, you've the 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 point of the part of the story is that Freeman. Is, is essentially underestimating Mariner and thinks that she doesn't care and thinks that she doesn't pay attention. And then they get into a situation where they, their relationship is, is expanded on a little bit and she, there's a little a glimmer of understanding, um, which ultimately goes back to them butting heads uh, at the end. And so I don't, I don't feel like it's... I don't really feel like it's a betrayal of anything. But I, I think you have to... Sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think you have to... If if you're gonna put those if you're gonna put those two characters together, you have to address that stuff because of who they are, because they're mother and daughter, and because the setup of the story is that clearly they're butting heads about Mariner being there and and how Mariner approaches stuff. So there has to be some sort of movement in one direction or the other. Are those characters ever going to change from that relationship? Um, is there any prob- is there any real growth that's going to happen here, or is this just a emotional scene that's being added in as a pay as a lead into a, a joke that's the payoff of none of this actually changes um i i think it's it's probably not going to change too much uh but i think that's uh, an element of just the way that they're they're telling stories the and i think with with episodic tv like this part of what you do is you kind of reset everything at the end yeah so uh like I think Arrested Development this- does something similar to this. Arrested Development does a lot of storylines where there's a moment of bonding before it all becomes undone as the the joke that, that does it. Like Michael and Joe sure. will have a, a moment of like, you know, the narrative would be like the two brothers bonded for a minute. But then right. there, there will be something that betrays that, that shows that it's a fraudulent relationship that's actually happening. Like Joe will have done something that then explodes at that moment and it, it reveals like the true relationship that's between those two characters. But sure. Arrested Development does it funnier, I think, because Arrested Development is setting it up effectively as the joke there, where mm-hmm. they know that none of this is real. They know that this is not the relationship that this family has. So sure. it's, kind of, it's kind of playing off the naivete of the characters in a way that they are falling for this joke that then blows up in their face. Here, I think it's different. I think that the joke that undercuts it at the end is not effective enough, and it only feels like it's a button to flip the status quo back to what it needs to be by the end of it. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I, I don't know. It's I. Yeah, I mean, they probably could have done something more clever um, than just a callback to the yawning thing because I didn't particularly like the yawning thing at the beginning. Mm. It's, it seemed like it was a little bit. Uh, uh, eh, it seemed kind of lazy to yeah. me. Um, and as a, and as a button to bring it back, uh, yeah, I think it would it would it might be more. 
I think it might have been. I think it might have been more beneficial if it was like whatever they did to solve the problem after they've gotten their awards. Uh, something Mariner did to fix things malfunction, like you're saying, malfunctions and breaks something in f- either even further or causes right. more damage or something, something like that. Um, yeah, so I, I I can see what you're saying, um, but I I do think that putting those two characters together because I think. I, Arrested Development and Seinfeld are, are kind of unfair comparisons because both of those shows are incredibly cynical, mm-hmm. whereas this uh, as, is not to this point. It's a it's a fairly hopeful show. Um, all, your characters mostly end on upswings, yes, um, emotional upswings and character upswings. So it would be it feels a little weird to do something that cynical, except for the Ascension thing, which is why I like the Ascension. That's true. Thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but so I, I I think I think there's probably room for a better joke, but I don't I don't particularly mind what they did with the two of them as far as uh, how they get to the end there because I think they, I, I I like the fact that they spent some time together and that they had some because they don't I wouldn't say that they end up like on the same page or anything by that point they have a a, a little and, bit more Captain underst- and Mariner you, yes yeah. yeah they have a little bit more understanding of each other but uh, um, I wouldn't say they're nearly on the same it's it's the the thing that i do like about the end bit is that you kind of get a in it's less it's less something going wrong and and uh freeman getting so mad that she busts busts her back down to ensign than it is uh mariner actively choosing not to want to be like freeman freeman actually is coming into it thinking that oh Oh, we have gotten past this. Now she is a lieutenant. Now she is gonna, you know, keep her shit together and free. And uh, Mariner's actively choosing not to do that. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like when you finally get the finally get the the clothes on your kid to take him to church, and then as soon as they get in the car, they just start pulling everything off. Yeah, i I think I think a good comparison um, between them. I, I think that the Ascension plotline actually actually kind of plays off against it in a way that I find preferable to it. So, well, I, I think that they're, they're kind of unfair because the Ascension storyline features a lieutenant that you've never seen before and you know you don't mm-hmm. need to see him again so they can they have freedom there, whereas Mariner and Freeman have to kind of be... They're going to be on the show continuing with each other, so they have to kind of go back to the status quo. But the, um, the Ascension plotline works for me as a comedy better because the build-up there feels the build-up there feels natural to those characters in a way that like Tendi, even though she's kind of underdefined, I think that Tendi eventually starts to make sense as to what she wants this guy to do and why he's hesitant to like want her help and what it all means. Mm-hmm. But the the joke, the cruel twist of the joke is that the the end result that they're both striving for is not what either of them wants. So I like right. I I just think that I, I find that much more uh comical then I think the the Captain and Mariner relationship, which oh, has sure. to go back to this thing, sure. I, I just think that that's more that's more funny to me, and that's a that's a more interesting surreal twist on Star Trek, I think, than than mm. this other thing. And it depends on where you want the show to go, I suppose, and whether yeah. or not you think that it needs to be more Star Trek or not. But I, I guess that's the difference. Um, yeah. Well, I, I, I didn't. I, I didn't. I I really liked the Ascension thing at the end. Oh, at the end. But yeah. yeah, I didn't love 
the most of the stuff leading up to it Agreed. because it was so flat and kind of it was just the same scene over and over again more or less the punchline elevates it i think like the punchline sure. makes that seem better but it's incredibly boring until you get to the punchline yeah yeah um whereas i did find the other stuff pretty interesting uh i did find the interactions with the interactions between Mariner and Freeman, I thought, were a lot more interesting than the interactions between Tendi and this other guy. Yeah, agreed. Um, and yeah, I, so yeah, I, it's it's tough because that is a really good. That is a that's probably. I would say that's probably their best non-specific Star Trek joke they've done so far, is because it's not directly being referential to something else but it but it is like it's it's referencing a trope but it's not being referential to a specific yeah. thing and the, the ascension uh, <clears throat> the transformation you're talking about yes yes yeah I, um you're probably right i think it's a very it's very strongly evocative of transfigurations in tng which is when a an alien turns into a higher energy beam and he's very happy mm-hmm. about it at that point but uh this like it's it's a similar effect like he just turns right. into a, a, an energy person and in this one it's just horrifying but I, I agree with you it's not super specific in that it's no character stands there and says this is exactly like transfigurations from tng or whatever right right yeah you know you know i i would put it in the same category as like the uh uh the energy ball joke from the, the mm-hmm. last one or the one before um where they make him use his energy to make a tricorder or whatever yeah like it's in that same area where it's like it's it's a it's a it's a joke that feels specific to star trek or should feel specific to star trek but it's not it's it's of the world uh more than it is of the brand if that makes sense yeah yeah um i i i generally found this one to be the least funny out of out of all the episodes, um, I guess personal taste is everything there. Um, I like the Ascension joke. I Mariner and Freeman, I thought were fairly good. I like the sort of mother badgering her type stuff. It's kind of a it's kind mm-hmm. of reminiscent of like a Loxana and Deanna Troy relationship, I guess. Sure. Once they start doing that, and uh, the Boimler thing, I thought was relatively kind of underwhelming. I'm. It's one of those episodes that, like, to bring it back to the whole different directions you could take each of the plot lines, I was kind of surprised that they couldn't, that they weren't bursting with jokes for each of the setups that they had. Like, Mariner mm-hmm. being part of the incredibly boring senior officer meetings and stuff, I feel that that's just really ripe for, I feel there's a lot of jokes to make in mm-hmm. there. And they do things like, incredibly redundant things like it's like come to ops for our ops schedule or something like the joke is that it's just this kind of mindless and boring stuff that Mm -hmm. she has to go through every single day but i even the um when she's i can see why she doesn't i can see why she didn't want to leave because uh what was it cleaning uh cleaning the carbon filter seems really relaxing just (laughs) like using the phaser to just they could have given you a, le- a less thing. exciting, a less exciting tool than a phaser to clean it. Like I if know. it was like a little yeah. toothbrush or something, they had to scrub it off. That, that makes more sense. <clears throat> um, the meeting with the senior officers, they're talking about ordering chairs or something. I was just, mm-hmm. I was surprised that a comedy writing group couldn't come up with funnier dialogue between the senior officers as to what they were talking sure. about. That's like incredibly boring. I feel that's right up the like the offices alley and. I was expecting it, and it never came. What came instead was this sort of strange 
unrealistic conversation where they were talking about a chair, right? That is mm-hmm. like I. It just felt too detached from reality. There's a way that, like, you can have them talking about, like, the incredibly mundane stuff that goes on on the ship, and it feels a little bit more funny to me than this slightly deranged conversation they were having about, like, who's going to sit with a backless chair somewhere. Right, um, right, right. It's just stuff like that. I, I I don't know if the show really wants to live in dialogue jokes and dialogue moments like that and would rather maybe uh, live off references, but I kind of wanted it in this episode. I, mm. haven't, I hadn't felt that way about the previous ones. Yeah, I I feel like uh, when you say The Office might have done that better, I I immediately think of I think it was uh, the American Office anyway. The uh, episode where um, Pan, uh, Jim throws a party at his house, and so then you have a scene where Oscar and I think Kevin or or maybe whoever it is are like intensely talking about paper stock at this party where people are just supposed to be having a good time. And it's yeah. like that kind of thing where it's like they're speaking intensely about the most mundane, boring shit that does not matter outside the walls of of, of the office that they work in. Yeah, right. and it, it's, it does the feel like... The joke office workers only have their work to relate about, right, which is what always right. happens. At every, at every corporate right. outing, everyone just talks about work because you don't know what everyone else is into. Exactly, yeah. Um. So yeah, I feel like the the chair thing. While I, I did chuckle at it a little bit, it is fairly. It's a very generic joke to make. Yeah. Uh, in the in those cases, yes, I think you could be you could tune it up a little bit more and dial it in a little bit more to. Uh, that would be a great place to just sling some techno babble. Yes. You know, as just mindless techno, have people having the doctor and. What the hell's his name? The Shrax guy? is the Shrax. Uh, Shrax is the tact- tactical guy. I don't know what the engineer's name is. Paul Shear is what I call the engineer. Yeah, uh, but but having those guys just like slinging minutia about yeah. you know uh, something something oscillating inhibitors or something like that it, that that could be that could have been fun. But yeah, they they do something a little bit more broad there, for better or worse. Yeah, distractingly broad just because i was actually kind of mm. I, you don't want to be interested in what they're talking about but he's talking about a somewhat like a semi-interesting thing about like he doesn't like those kind of chairs so you as a, an audience member are going would i like those kind of chairs <laughs> like is, is that an interesting point we're bringing <laughs> i up? identified immediately because i do not like bar stools they right. make my back hurt immediately <laughs> see but that fire it gives you a fiery opinion about something and i don't mm. think that's what they wanted in that case um i think the same the same kind of thing is the the lack of anything really insightful or funny happening about the terraforming liquid on the ship like mm. it's it's just um it's just an Indiana Jones sequence where like sort of stuff is coming at you and they have to they have to run down the hallways and get away from it and stuff but mm-hmm. i I, I feel that there's a whole you could do a whole episode about the ship becoming an organic thing. I just think there's sure. so much in there that you could really mess yeah. around with and they don't really make any jokes at all about it which was strange it's just they see a kind of an action generating sequence yeah it's um i well i generally blame time for that but also yes they, they have so many different things going on that uh they don't really give a lot of time to the uh this uh organic thing yeah um but because yeah i think if they had more time to do it they could have spent more uh, a little bit more energy on 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 what it means but i think that's that's also i think a a weak spot of the show is 
when they, like I said earlier, when they do these ship-wide catastrophe things, they tend to run through them pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, even the first one with the the zombies or whatever, you get a couple jokes, but it's not really not really that much. It's more about fixing the problem than it is the jokes of the problem. Yes. Um, and I think you could. Although I, yeah, I, I like to. I was just going to say the, the zombie th- one. Oh, sorry, the zombie one is funny just because yeah. like I, the the overreaction of the crew, like the violent overreaction to the zombies, was inherently mm. funny in that, and they don't really have that here. They can just kind of hurtle yeah. over trees that are popping up and stuff like that. Yeah, they don't they don't they don't have a lot of reaction to this one. It's it's just Mariner and Freeman stuck in that hole. Excuse me, uh, and Tendy and the other guy kind of running through whatever. And yeah, like yep. you're right. It becomes kind of an action adventure sequence. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I think that's. I think that ultimately is a taste thing because I think I I don't disagree with you. I think that they definitely could have done more with it. But it, I like the idea, uh, and I, I'm kind of bummed that they didn't spend more time with it. But uh, um, I like the idea being in the show. If that makes sense. Yeah. And the um, the one thing that's because it does that- it does the setup. The setup, uh, specifics aside, it it is a very Star Trek episode, as far yeah. as interacting with the other captain, and they find this ship, and they accidentally cause this other thing to happen because the the, the two of them are kind of button heads, and then it all spreads to the ship, and they got to say like it's a very it is a very Star Trek story. What I liked was uh, they must have been listening to our criticism. Uh, last week, and they they rewrote the episode in the week that it took to to get this thing to air. But the That's the other works, captain, man. the other captain is a more traditional Star Trek captain. I thought sure. like he the like yeah. he's very he sees the Ceratos crew as kind of a joke and is like, what the hell is mm. going on? Like, why don't we just, why don't we accomplish this? He, he's slightly exaggerated in that he competes with Freeman and that's what causes this accident to happen to them. But I liked them. I liked them bumping into a another commander or another crew that are semi-serious and semi-Star Trek in the mold of Star Trek. And I think that that's a good mm-hmm. pairing that should continue. I don't want everyone to be kind of wacky in this universe. Right. I think it works right. better if there are some normal, quote-unquote, normal Star Trek captains. I do... I, I'm going back and forth on this in my head. Do you, how, how would you feel if it had been Freeman that caused the, the explosion as, as far as the other guy? I would have preferred it, that. Yeah, I feel like I'm going that way too because Freeman has a clear drive about her and she's so dismissive of her daughter for uh doing going out of uh out of protocol, et cetera, et cetera, that to have Freeman's drive to be the best have her do something that causes this thing to happen and then you can have a scene where when she and Mariner get into it, this comes up as being something that she caused this the one the the mom who is the supposedly the one who has it all figured out right caused this explosion that could blow up both of these ships and it also it also places it places the ceratos as sort of like a top to bottom outcast ship a little bit more where yeah. it's freeman isn't just the hard nose i mean they they're kind of doing this already but it would it, it would show that Freeman is not just a hard-nosed Starfleet captain. She's a overly hard-nosed Starfleet captain where her, her decisions aren't always right. And right. sometimes her hard-nosedness and desire to, to be the best captain 
causes her to make a, a bad decision. Yeah, it, it's it's funny. There's almost like an underlying theme of um, people with serious flaws feeling that they deserve to be with the elite, kind of like Freeman, I think, um, really shows that quite a bit where Freeman is disappointed to be commanding the Saratos and she's always unhappy that they have to do these like bureaucratic secondary missions and stuff like that. But it's Mm -hmm. a, it's kind of neat to have just the entire crew have this like subconscious um, desire to be the top, but they all have these horrible flaws that kind of hold them back from doing that. But at the same time, design or like desiring to be a part of that main Star Trek family and not quite being able to get there and be the, the misfit outcast ones. Yeah, and I I like that. And you don't have to draw a ton of attention to it, but if you if you make that part of your setup is that these characters, like you said, they all want to be the best, but there's an inherent flaw stopping them from doing that. Um I think it makes for for uh, more well-rounded characters as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I um I did not I didn't dislike this one. I thought it was mm-hmm. I thought it was fine. I just thought it was the the weakest out of all of them to this point. Um I don't really have anything else about that. I like the towing of the alien ship. I I continue to think that sometimes the the sci-fi plots that they're referencing are better than the execution that comes out of them in a lot of ways. Sure. I felt that I felt sure. that here. Like I really like the idea of this alien ship and towing it back. Even the um even the setup felt like it was an angle that Star Trek has never taken, which is they they acknowledge from the start that this is an ancient ship that for some reason everyone died on it but they have all this stuff Mm -hmm. it's kind of an aliens uh reference in a lot of ways like the disc jockey Mm. or these things that are just dead on it or whatever and they they find an alien life form but that was just it was it was neat that's a much that's a much different movie wes that's a much different movie when they go to the ship and they find a disc jockey it's (laughs) they go Um, down and they open they open the egg and then the pit bull is just staring back at them (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> gives me a Bud Light Lime. Um, yeah. Black sunglasses just jump <laughs> in your face. <laughs> oh, I don't think he's, a, he's he's not really around anymore. I don't think. WAP. Um, let's see. <laughs> I guess we're... That's a fitting reference for this moist vessel, I suppose. That's true. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, let's see. I guess we're done. Do you have anything else you want to say or should we go to final thoughts? Um... No, I think that's about it. Um, yeah, I uh, oh, I, I did want to say, uh, I wonder if the negative response critically is in part due to the fact that they probably watched all four of these in one sitting. And yes. it's too much. Yeah, they they kind of hit similar story beats a few times in the same in the first four episodes which if you're watching them separately might not stand out or or be bothersome as much but like if you get to the fourth episode that you've watched in the last what two hours and you're going like oh it's another ship thing where the ship gets taken over well this is the best they can you know it it, seeing it all just the energy together yeah. Oh, like, yeah. The energy. You, the energy is pretty pretty standard through all four of these. I think it's just, I, I do it doesn't even have to be that. It, it could be like um, if you have you ever watched too many curb. If you watch Curb Your Enthusiasm, if you watch too many curbs in a row, it mm-hmm. negatively impacts the show. I think because really? you interesting. Well, it's just so it's so acerbic and like mm-hmm. in some ways his comedy is predictable because you know something is going to go wrong with the situation that he's set up, but. I, if you watch too many of them, I think it just negatively 
impacts the way that you perceive how he's responding to things. Like if, mm. if, if, if he, if, if he makes too many of the same kind of mistakes in a row, it, it, it seems sure, unrealistic sure. in some strange way. Yeah. But if you take a break, you go, oh, a couple of months have passed in this character's life and he makes a different mistake that's kind of similar to that one, you know? Yeah. And, you know, you, you start to see the formula of the show a lot more, too. Like, yeah. I, yeah. I uh, a year or so ago, I was watching Halt and Catch Fire, which I know a lot of people really like. And uh, I watched, like, two seasons of it. And by the end, and I, I was just watching it straight through while I was working. And by the end of the second season, I was just, I could not have cared less because every episode seemed to be the same thing where it was like, these people are awful to each other. One of them does a really awful thing and has to deal with it. And then the one guy at the end gives some sort of like long-winded pie-in-the-sky speech about technology that somehow fixes everything. It's just like, <laughs> but after two seasons, you're going like, Ay, can we, why does everything have to be paced out the same way? It just, it, right. it, the, re- the repetition of the formula can, can do a number on you as well. So, yeah, um, yeah that might have been part of it. Um, but I, I, still, I still maintain that after four episodes, I think the show's pretty good. It's, it's very, I find it to be a very enjoyable half hour of television. Yeah, yeah. I, I would be the same. Um, I still, after four episodes, I think it's the best of the, this is the best of every new Trek Kurtzman era Star Trek stuff that we've been given oh, totally. so far. Like yeah. in and of itself, I think it's the most consistent and it makes the most yeah. sense and it works the best. They te- It tells, for say what you want about the characters or whatever, they tell the best stories. I mean, they, they tell the most Star Trek-y stories. It's yep. like a, uh, I feel like hardcore... Um, Star Trek fans who are who have been asking for a, a, a more return to older form, it's sort of a monkey's paw situation for them because this is the most <laughs> traditionally structured of the, the new Star Trek shows, but the the style is very much not of yes. the of the old Star Trek shows. Um, so it's it's an interesting it's an interesting it's interesting to look at it that way as being a lot more faithful to. The, stru- the traditional structure while also being not faithful at all as far as how the characters are portrayed and how Starfleet's yeah. portrayed. And if, 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 I mean, if you... The heart. Yeah, it's it's difficult for me to... I, like, I, I just, I don't know how you watch this and, and get hung up about, like, protocol. You know, yeah. I... I don't. I don't want to get into to uh, to that stuff again. We kind of talked about that stuff last week a bit, but um, yeah, it's just. I mean, it's a. It's a. F- I find it to be a fun half hour cartoon that takes place in the Star Trek world. Yeah, that's actually yeah. written pretty well. Yes, I think it's. Um, I think nuts and bolts wise, it's got the best story structure out of everything mm. that uh, they've done to this point like things pay off things make sense things end up in a place where it's like there's a beginning middle and end you can clearly define what's happening you could um, i'm gonna make i'm gonna make people really mad i would argue that this is the best so far the best first season of star trek outside of tos good yeah yeah it probably it probably I look will forward be, to your right? letters yeah <laughs> No, I I wouldn't disagree. It's too bad we don't rate these new shows at this point because it probably would end up there. Um, mm. It's it's funny because we're we're, do, we're doing it with Enterprise now. It's consistent, but it's on the, it's like the other side of the Enterprise angle where Enterprise is like 
consistent and it's always slightly subpar in his first season. Mm. Lower Decks is consistent and it's slightly above par or what, like what you mm. would expect out of it. So there, that small difference probably does end up with uh, booting it ahead into like a top tier first season. Um, I guess that's it. Let's take a break. We'll play a clip from the episode. We'll come back and give our final thoughts and then we'll call it a day. Finding myself for so long, I guess I actually did. I oh, oh okay, wow. Oh, that actually burns. Uh, is this supposed to be happening? Oh, it burns. Okay, you're smoking. It burns. Oh, oh, no, I don't, I don't want to ascend. No. Ah! Drop and roll. Drop and roll. Drop back into the physical and roll. Drop back into the physical and roll. Ah, I'm a show meeting. Ah, no, it's happening. I'm everywhere and nowhere. I can see everything. I'm turning into pure energy. Why is it taking? Thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, you can go to patreon.com slash the Penske file, as I mentioned at the top. Patreon.com slash the Penske file. A couple dollars a month gets you extra stuff. How many patrons do you think we just lost by me saying this is the best first season of Star Trek? (laughs) (laughs) We'll lock them in at annual memberships and then they they can't go. go. They'll just be forced to hear this stuff. Patreon.com slash the Penske file is the best place to support the show. A couple dollars a month, you get extra stuff. There's extra podcasts. There's behind the scenes things. I did commentary videos. You get polls to vote about what we do and what we cover. Patreon.com slash the Penske file. And that's it. There's no patron thoughts here, but I will. Thank our patrons, the special captain tier. Special thank you goes to <gasps> Christian Pouch, Tark Latif, Chris Tinsley, Mike Burnett, Cardinal Doomsday, Joint Mango, Ben Douglas, Neil Brennan, Kyle Barrett, Samuel Custer, Matt Ross, Nathan Elliott, Eric Johnson, Andrew Cherlog, Ben Grimstanso, Matt Cutler, Dwayne Hackett, Sean, Jordan Cooper, uh, Derek Zajak, Russell Elledge, Kevin <coughs> Reyes, Ball 13 Hero, Stephen Minton, David Beermore, Darth Mosk, HH28, Mad Courier 6, Jacob123, Matt Houston, Mike Harris, Mike Poindexter G, Nick Sergi, Jakey's Gamer, Patrick Seba, Captain Brazen, Kevin Lowry, Eric Sanchuan, Bradley Killens, Corey Martin, Rune Bendler, William Scheisler, Timothy Cooley. Thank you very much, guys, for supporting the show. And we are here. I don't really have many final thoughts at this point. Um, we talked about everything that has to happen with Blower Decks. Uh, there's no new announcements for the new episode titles or anything like that. The next one, I did like the concept of Boimler's girlfriend visits the ship. Mm. That seems potentially like there's something there. Um but yeah, outside of that, I, 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 I guess my overall opinion of this is I, I sit in a place where I see, I see the usual feedback of people praising it, which is a lot of my mm-hmm. Star Trek Twitter feed. A lot of people going like, "This is fantastic," and I kind of go like, "Yeah, this is this is not too bad." Um, I see a lot of people working very hard to not like it <laughs> at the same time, and I think that the the thing there is just like comedy is certainly subjective and I can understand sure. not thinking the show is particularly funny. Um, I, I don't know. Like I, I, I see the usual Star Trek YouTube channels that are predetermined to hate this stuff and they're working very hard to find reasons why they don't, don't like this. Mm. Um, and I just personally just kind of sit here in the middle and I go, this is probably the best thing that they've done so far and i wish it was 
At the same time, I wish it was slightly funnier, which is going to come. I would assume, like once the the writing room settles in and they know what works and what doesn't, mm. that's really that's really it. If I have if I have like a fatal not a fatal flaw, if I have a flaw from this season of lower decks, it's just that sometimes I think that they don't seize the comedy correctly in in sure. some ways. Like that they're they're just they're they're walking up to the joke and then they kind of step around it instead of going head on into it and to see what happens. And I hope they, that that changes and I hope that they develop that a little bit more as their sensibility develops. Yeah, I would agree. I think it's, I think it's probably much better for me anyway. It's much better than I expected it to be. And uh, yeah, I think as they kind of settle into to what the show's about and what they're trying to do, they'll get a little bit more out of it. Um. Although more I don't Rutherford, know. I mean, more tendy. Yeah. That's my, yeah. That's my I recommendation, feel like, too. I feel like, oddly enough, animated shows... Well, no, I was gonna, that's not true. I was going to say animated shows tend to be better out of the gate than uh, live-action shows for some reason. I don't know if it's because yeah. they have longer times to refine their jokes and their scripts or whatnot. Um, but that certainly wasn't true of The Simpsons. But, so... <laughs> it got there quick, though. Not that quick. It anyway. did, yes. Yeah. Um, animation happens much faster than The Simpsons did. Obviously, now they can get right. through this stuff much more quickly. Um, yeah. No, I, I guess that's that's pretty much it. I don't know what the next episode is for this one. Um, I thought this was my least favorite episode out of all four of them so far, but it still seemed fine. Didn't didn't bother mm-hmm. me tremendously. Uh, and I guess that's pretty much it. Do you have anything, final thoughts about that one, Clay, or are we done? I think we're good to go. We're done. Guys, thank you very much for listening. That was Moist Vessel. Can we, I, it's, I, a funny, I guess, it's a funny title. Every time you say it, I chuckle, so I can understand <laughs> it. <laughs> cut, these, cut these giggles out. Um, the vessel thing is about the ascension, right? Like you, uh, the religious terminology is always you are a vessel for something. Uh, is the moistness just from the, the water that comes on the ship? <laughs> Is that like what else I is don't moist? Know. Yeah, I don't know. I, <laughs> now, I think we're moving into one of those other web, other YouTube channels. If we're breaking down <laughs> what what it, what exactly was moist? Is it just the emulsion? Is a is an emulsion by definition moist? Emulsion. Let me see. Emulsion. Emulsion definition: a suspension of globules in one liquid, of one liquid in a second liquid. Okay, so maybe that's that's what it is. I suppose. Sure. Emulsion, <laughs> all those, uh, all those smoothies and everything like that are a special emulsion. All right, cool. Well, we're done with that. Moist vessel is the episode. We both kind of liked it, although I didn't like it quite as much. And that's it. We're done with it. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next time.